Well, first off, I uh, just want to say Happy New Year to everyone here this morning. Thank you for being here. Uh, secondly, I need to apologize for something. So last week we started our two-week series on fasting, and I asked you to read Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 17. That was an accident. I actually meant Matthew 9, 14 through 17. So those of you who read Mark 9, 14 through 17, you're probably wondering, what does this have to do with fasting? Well, I actually meant to write Matthew 9, 14 through 17. So apologies there. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, regularly when I turn my phone on uh, in the morning or I check my phone, they'll have updates on certain apps I have. And if you've got a laptop or a desktop or some kind of tablet, you know that updates are something that are regularly done by the manufacturer of the software or the product that you have. And I thought about that, that in a lot of ways, uh, a lot of people think that faith in Jesus Christ is kind of like an update. So you go from like version 11.1 of yourself to like version 11.2, like faith in Jesus Christ is simply an update. And the scripture we're going to look at today, that was kind of the thinking of the Jews of the day and the Pharisees that Jesus had come to really give their faith, their current state, an update going from again 11.1 or 10.1 to version 11.2. But what Jesus is talking about today is saying that a relationship with Jesus Christ is not an update to your life, uh, an update to your resume, an upgrade to your resume, but really is a whole new operating system. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Mark, sorry, Matthew 9. I said it again, Matthew 9. And we're going to find out today how fasting is not a religious ritual that we do. Again, not an upgrade to the Judaic uh, practice of the Day of Atonement, fasting on that day, and the Pharisaic practice of fasting on Thursdays and Mondays, but it's a whole new operating system. We fast because we're brokenhearted. We fast because we desire the Lord. And so my, my message today really is if you want to move from really just saying, hey, I'm just upgrading my life or updating my life in Jesus, but really a whole new radical shift, this is the message for you. Because for many of us, let me just read these four things. Before we trusted Christ, this was kind of our life. Before we trusted Christ, we put in work to get results. We put in the work to get results, whether it was at work or at home or in your athletic or discipline, your body or what you eat. We put in the work to get results. And then number two, we sought to be happy, comfortable, and fulfilled. We sought to be happy, comfortable, fulfilled. We scratched the backs of those who scratched ours. If someone did something good for you, we'd repay them by doing something good for them. If someone bought us a nice Christmas gift, we'd buy a nice Christmas gift for them. And then the last thing is we tried to be a good person by checking all the right boxes. So whether it was helping people across the street, helping at the homeless shelter, whatever it is, we tried to be a good person by checking all the right boxes. And here's what often we update our lives in Jesus too. After we trusted Christ, our lives are updated to this. We put in the work for Jesus to get blessed. So we now have gone from putting in the work to get results to now, I'm going to put in some work for Jesus to get blessed by him. Number two is uh, we update to being blessed by Jesus with happiness, comfort, and fulfillment. If I do the stuff for him, then he's going to give me those things. Number three, let Jesus scratch my back and pray that he scratches others' backs. So now we have a concern for others, but really, again, Jesus, you do it. And the last thing is this. After we trusted Christ, we update our lives to being a good Christian 
by checking all the right boxes. So we're still checking all the right boxes. Come to worship at 10 a.m. at Bay City Fellowship. Read my Bible. Go serve at this ministry. Help out with these. We check all these boxes. And that was what, again, the Pharisees, religious leaders of the day, the Jews thought that Jesus was coming to bring. Taking this Judaism and saying, hey, let's upgrade it. Let's update it to what Jesus has to do. So if you have your Bibles, look at Matthew 9, verse 14. And this is in the context of fasting. Then the disciples of John, talking about John the Baptist, came to him asking, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Pause right there. So the disciples of John the Baptist, we don't know exactly when they fasted, but we know the Pharisees would fast, and all good Jews, on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and they would also fast, the Pharisees, on Thursday and Monday. So they would do that. And they noticed that Jesus' disciples, they weren't fasting on Thursday and Monday. And so they asked that question. Verse 15, and Jesus said to them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Verse 16, but no one puts a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and a worse tear results. Verse 17, nor do people put new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wineskins burst, and the, whole, and the wine pours out, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into fresh wineskins, and both are preserved. So this is what Jesus answers in reply to the disciples of John the Baptist. He basically says in verse 15, he says, here's an illustration, here's a picture. He says, as Jesus said to them, the attendants of the bridegrooms, the groomsmen, the wedding party of the, of the groom, cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them. Can they? Rhetorical question, the answer is no. So point number one is this, when King Jesus is with us, it is a celebration, a time to feast, not to fast. So when Jesus is with us, he's the groom. If you remember in Isaiah, God, God says to, to the people of Israel, hey, I'm the husband. One day in Revelation 19, we'll find that Jesus is our husband. We're the bride. He's the groom. He says, while the groom, Jesus with us, it's not a time to fast. It's instead a time to feast. It's a celebration. But he says, one day, the groom will be taken away. So point number one is this. When King Jesus is with us, it is a celebration, a time to feast, not to fast. Um, I was, uh, had the grace privilege of officiating two weddings uh, last month. In December, I officiated two weddings. I officiated my very first Bayou City Fellowship wedding. Uh, so I think Alex and Sarah are watching. So hey, how y'all doing? I uh, hope y'all doing well. And here's what I noticed, that even though it was in the season of COVID and all the restrictions of traveling and food handling and all that, what both couples did not say is this, well, we're going to get married and it's a time of celebration, but we're going to have no food at all. Because food goes with a wedding. It's a time of celebration, a time of rejoicing. So I know what one couple did was this. They said, we cannot serve a full meal like indoors and have people sit down. So instead, what we will do is we will recreate our first date. They went to a place called, I think, Tiny's Cookies in, in West U or Rice Village. And so they had them come out with a cart full of chocolate chip cookies and milk, and they served it outside. So here we were all outside after the wedding in the outdoors enjoying milk and cookies. Because this couple said, you cannot have a celebration. You cannot have a wedding if you don't have food. So that's what Jesus is saying here. He says, as long as the groom is with you, and they have a seven-day period of rejoicing, he says, I'm the groom, I'm Jesus. While I'm here, you can't ask the, the, 
wedding party, the groomsmen, my disciples, and my followers to fast because this is a time of celebration. But he says this. He says this in the um, middle of verse 15. But the contrast, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken. And that word taken means to be violently taken away from them. And then they will fast. And like we've been studying the English grammar the last couple of weeks, will fast means it's going to happen in the future. When Jesus is taken away, his followers, his disciples, those who are radically committed to him, they will fast. So here's point number two. But after he ascends or is taken away, it will be a time for fasting. Again, the text clearly says, then they will fast. I think there's two images there. One is because he's taken away violently. He's talking about when he's arrested and crucified, when the disciples are with him and all of a sudden Jesus is taken from them. I'm guessing that from that period of his arrest until his ascension, I mean, until his resurrection, they were probably not eating a whole lot because Jesus comes and gives them some fish later on that's been cooked in the fire. But he says that could be one picture, I think. But the other picture is Jesus Christ is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And here we are as the body of Christ, longing and waiting to be with Jesus Christ. So here's the picture. Jesus' first coming is a time of feasting. It's a celebration. The groom, Jesus Christ, has come. We're not going to fast. But he's going to be taken away, both in crucifixion but also in ascension. But here's the picture. One day, one day there'll be a great feast, a feast and a party that will uh, never be matched ever. Look at uh, Revelation 19. Revelation 19. I always get a little nervous when it takes people time to turn to Genesis or Revelation. I can understand Zephaniah and I can understand maybe even first Peter. Revelation, last book of the Bible, Revelation 19. The church, the bride of Christ is now with him in glory. Look what happens in verse seven. Revelation 19, seven, let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him. For the marriage of the lamb, Jesus Christ has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the, first, uh, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Verse 9, then he said to me, bright, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. So what happens is this. We are the bride of Christ. We are the church. But one day in glory, there'll be a great wedding banquet. We'll be reunited with the groom, Jesus Christ, and there'll no longer be a time of fasting, but now a time of feasting. Let me give you a picture of what that looks like. Look at Isaiah. Isaiah 25. Isaiah 25, verse 6, six through 9. So Jesus comes the first time. It's a time of feasting, a celebration. He's gone. He's departed. He's now with the Father. We're here on earth. We long for him. We desire him. We want to be with him. He says, because of that, we fast. But one day, there'll be a time of feasting again. Isaiah 25, look at verse 6. The Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain, a banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow, and, on, and, uh, and refined aged wine. On this mountain, he will swallow the covering which is over all peoples, even the veil which is stretched over all nations. He will swallow up death for all time, and the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces. 
He removed the reproach of his people from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. Verse 9, we said in that day, behold, this is our God for whom we have waited, that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. So here's another picture of this supper, and whether it's uh, uh, this marriage supper or here in Jerusalem at this great Messiah coming down, we'll be enjoying a meal with our king. So he says again, while the groom is with you, you feast. When the groom is absent, you fast. But when he comes back again and we're with him again, we will feast again. But in the meanwhile, we fast. Um, other passages, you can write this down. In Joel 114, Joel chapter 114. Locusts have eaten up uh, the land of Judah, all their crops. They're grieving, they're brokenhearted. And what do they call for in Joel 114? A time of fasting. In Nehemiah 1.4, we're going to start looking at Nehemiah uh, next week as we start this series. Jesus for the people of the city. In Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4, as Nehemiah hears about the brokenness of Jerusalem, how the walls are torn down, the people are still not connected with the Lord and reconnected with him. What does he call for? He calls for a fast because he's brokenhearted. He's longing for God. Go back to Matthew 9. Go back to Matthew 9. This is what Jesus says. He says, you Pharisees, you fast on Thursdays and Mondays. If you have me come and you're expecting me to style, you fast on Thursdays, Mondays, and now let's add Tuesdays. He says, that's not what I'm about. I'm not trying to give you an update or an upgrade. What I'm here for is to give you a completely new operating system. And he says, this is when you should fast. Not on Mondays and Thursdays, not on the Day of Atonement. You should fast Whenever you desire and long to be with Jesus, when you are brokenhearted, when something in your life is wrecked and you say, Lord, I need you more. And that's what we looked at last week is fasting is where your desire for intimacy with God is greater than your intake for food, your need for intake for food. You say, God, I'm so longing for you. I desire to be with you. I'm in a dry place right now in my relationship with you. I desire you more than anything else. And Jesus says, don't wait till Monday or Thursday. He says, you can do it anytime. Don't wait for the day of atonement. Don't wait for Yom Kippur. You can do it anytime you long to be with me. And so he says, this is a completely new system. That's why he gives this illustration in verse 16. But no one puts a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch pulls away from the garment and a worse tear results. Um, how many of y'all like, were like really rough on your clothes, guys or girls, when you were growing up? Anyone like really rough on their clothes? I just remember always like when I was a kid, like wearing patches. I would have jeans with holes in them and stuff. My mom would patch them up. She'd get these little patches at the clothing or fabric store and patch up my jeans. So almost every picture of me as a kid, I'm wearing jeans with like patches on the knees. And I wish I was living like today because now having holes in your jeans is like fashionable, Right. Um, that's one of my daughters, uh, her church that she's a part of in San Antonio, the pastor's always preaching and he's got holes in his jeans. And my daughter's like, dad, you can be a hipster pastor like him. Just get some holes in your jeans. I'm like, I'm good. I'm just content with being myself. But in this picture, Jesus says this, he says, you have jeans that you've worn over and over again. They've shrunk. Now you get holes in them. When you put a patch on them, you're going to use a patch that's already be, been pre-shrunk. Because if you use a new piece of cotton, in those days it was cotton or wool, he said what's going to happen is that fresh cloth will shrink and it'll tear apart your jeans even more. 
So again, he says, I'm not coming to give you an update. I says, I'm coming to give you a completely new ideology or new uh, uh, faith, I guess, in me. Look at verse 17. Nor do people put new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wineskins burst and the wine pours out and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into fresh wineskins and both are preserved. So in those days, what they would do is uh, imagine you've just gone deer hunting or hunting of some sort. You'd have the hide of a deer. You would remove the hair. You let it dry partially. And then you would sew up the ends and where the neck of the animal is, you would fill it up with wine and you would seal it and it would become a storage container for wine, like many times we'll be doing either barrels today, I guess. They would store this wine inside the animal skins. And as you know, well, this is a Baptist church, so you probably wouldn't know. Wine ferments, all right? That's a joke, y'all. Wine ferments, and because it ferments, gases come and it expands. And what happens is the fresh new animal skins will expand and grow and contract with the wine that's in there. After they've poured out all the wine, what happens is they would sometimes lay out the animal skin in the sun to dry, and it would get old and cracked. And if you put new wine in there, imagine a hardened container. He says, as that wine would ferment, expand, and contract, it would make the whole wine, uh, the skin burst. So he's saying the exact same thing. He says, I've not come to put what I'm about inside this skin of Judaism. He says, what I've come to do is give you new wine in new wine skin. So here's point number three. King Jesus brings an entirely new way of living and fasting. He brings an entirely new way of living and fasting. And again, the Old Testament law was pointing to Jesus. He's not abolishing the law at all. He's just saying, you know what? He says, I've come, this apostate Judaism to replace that, this ritualistic Judaism, I've come to replace that with something totally new. Uh, rather than what I call checking the checklist, checklist, checklist Christianity, I'm chasing Christ now. Because chasing Christ is greater than checklist Christianity. He's saying relationship is greater than ritual. Delight is greater than duty. Love is greater than legalism. And yet intimacy is greater than intake. And authenticity is greater than admiration. If you're doing these things in public to be admired by people, he said, I'd rather have you have an authentic internal heart desire for the Lord. So King Jesus brings an entirely new way of living and fasting. So here's my question. Uh, I'm sure for many of you, 2020 at times, you were brokenhearted. You were wondering what was going on. And so if I can encourage you as we fast this week as a church, January 4th through the 8th, this year in 2021, perhaps you would on your own as you long and desire uh, Jesus, as you're brokenhearted, as you see something on the news, racial injustice, political unrest, rather than tweeting about it or texting it or whatever it may be, you say, you know what, Lord? I am brokenhearted over this. And God, I'm going to fast and pray during this time. I've heard about this marital crisis that a friend is going through. I'm going to fast and pray because I'm brokenhearted about what they're going through. So would this be the year that rather than, again, just a quick tweet or a quick post or a quick email, you say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to take this time because I'm longing for you, longing to see your kingdom come, longing to see your reign. I'm going to fast. I'm going to sacrifice lunch today and sit in my cubicle, go into my car in the garage, and spend an hour, 45 minutes, in intense prayer and Bible study, because God, I long and desire you. Would this be the year? Because again, Jesus came not to bring us an update, not to bring us an upgrade. He came to give us a completely new operating system. Um, let me get a quick show of hands, because I'm seeing mixed reviews. Has anybody in here seen 
seen Wonder Woman 1984? Anybody seen it before? All right. If you think it was a good movie, can you keep your hands raised? If you think it was worthy of me watching. Two people. And I see a like of this on there as well. I haven't seen the movie. I I don't know if I'm going to spend the two hours watching it. But 1984 was a very uh, vivid year for me. Very memorable year for me. For many of you, you weren't even born then. But it was very memorable for me. 1984, I've always been a fan of track and field. It was the 84 Olympic Games in Los Angeles, right? Maybe 200 miles south of where I lived. And so we were watching the Olympics every day. Uh, We saw the torch guy come through our town when the torch guy came through. 1984 is a very memorable year. 1984 is also, I would say, a shift in the music scene. It went from like the disco age to now hip hop and rap music. I remember like breakdancing was really big back then. So you probably don't know what that is, but we were big into breakdancing and popping and locking and all that stuff. 84 was a really great year, but also makes it memorable for me is this. I grew up in the heart of Silicon Valley. Many of my friends, their parents worked for Intel and Apple and AMD and other corporations like that. And I took a computer science class, and we had this computer called the Apple II that ran BASIC. I don't know if you know what that is, BASIC. And so we'd type in these programs on BASIC on our little keyboard, this Apple II. And we thought it was like revolutionary. And I had a classmate whose father worked for Apple. He was an engineer at Apple. And my high school that I attended, our two famous alumni are Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. So that was the heart of where I grew up. And I remember, I think her name was Amy. Amy brought this suitcase, this case to class. She unzipped, zip, 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 opened it up. And there was one of the very first Macintosh computers, one of the very first Macs. And there was a wire attached to this little thing called a mouse. (laughs) Never seen it before. I'm just used to inputting on a keyboard. And she said, this is a mouse. And she says, watch this, click, 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 click. She's clicking on this thing. And then she said, now look at this. We're not using BASIC anymore. This is called Mac OS 1.0. Mac Operating System 1.0. So for those of you, I think right now we're on 11.2, I think is what we're at now. I remember seeing Mac OS 1.0. And this was a new, revolutionary, brand new operating system. You couldn't put it on an Apple II or a Commodore or Atari computer because now it had special graphics, it had a mouse and all that, even the hardware change because there's a completely new operating system. And that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came not to improve your life or upgrade your life. He came to make you a new creature in Christ. You have a total upgrade, a new operating system, a kingdom operating system. That's what he came to do. So enough of the checklist Christianity saying, I did this, did this. He says, are you chasing after pursuing Jesus Christ? No more need to be admired by people for all the Bibles, you know, and all the stuff that you do. He says, do you have an authentic heart for God or is your heart cluttered with idols? So here's a big idea for today. Until we feast with Christ, until we feast with Christ, and we will one day. Revelation 19 says that we will feast one day with Christ. And I think Isaiah 25 describes it. Can I give you also another piece of good news in those feasts that we'll have one day? Until we feast, we fast. Until we feast with Christ again, we fast because we desire him. We're brokenhearted. We long for him. Let me give you a piece of good news. I believe those fasts will occur in our new glorified bodies. Now, what does that mean? Is there anybody here who gained maybe five or 10 pounds over the holidays? Anybody gained some weight over the holidays like me? Right? Can I give you some good news? We will enjoy a grand feast, the banquet of Jesus, the marriage supper of the Lamb. 
You can eat to your heart's content and rejoice and celebrate, and you won't gain a pound. (laughs) Bless the Lord. Amen. Our bodies will be fully glorified bodies. The food that we take will be used for energy to serve and worship the Lord. So here's a big idea. Till we feast with Christ again, and it's going to happen, and it'll be a feast of all feasts, we fast. Again, not on Mondays and Thursdays, prescribed times, and I'm asking the church collectively that this week, if you get checked out by the doctor, you have any medical issues, that from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., so roughly sunup to sundown, you would fast. And for me, I'm going to do liquids only during that time. And the time you normally spend at lunch, at work, or at school, or wherever you are, maybe you just go out to a certain private spot and you seek God. And maybe you have a prayer list of things that you're praying through, things you're asking God about, you need direction in, that you would spend that time fasting and praying and seeking the Lord. And we'll do that collectively. We're going to do it every night at 7 p.m. via Zoom. So you can uh, uh, get in on that and we'll pray together as a church because there's some things that we need as a church for sure. So again, if I can encourage you, 6 a.m., sun up to sundown, if you would fast with us. Uh, my wife and I have been doing this uh, f- for as long as we've been married. The first full week of January, we fasted, we've prayed, we sought the Lord just to start the new year off saying, God, we need you this year. We thought we need you last year, we need you more even this year. And I remember last year, 2020, a year ago, when we spent the first week in fasting and prayer, what I heard from the Lord was this. New season. It's a new season. It's new. I just kept hearing the word new, new over and over again. Every scripture I turned to was about a new song or whatever. It just was a new thing. And what happened in 2020 for the Soma family? New ministry. I'm here at Bayou City Fellowship. I left this church I was at before. I'm here new. We sold our house. We have a new house. There's a lot of new things that happen. The new thing also was this. We live in a new world of working from home and a global pandemic and shifting and pivoting and all that and being flexible something that I've never had to do before. There's a lot of new things that happened in 2020. But in 2013, and I'll tell you, this is what God does, I think, to prepare us. He doesn't maybe show us everything. 2013, we started the year praying and fasting. And the word I heard from the Lord, and this is one of those words you don't like to hear from the Lord. The only thing I heard was challenging. I kept hearing over and over again, challenging, challenging, challenging. And I was like, Lord, couldn't it be like happy or like joy or amazing or something? Just challenging. And literally, a week later, our treasurer, our finance person said, hey, we've caught one of your staff members who's also an elder embezzling. And they had embezzled almost $300,000 from January to April. And our budget at the time was about a half million dollars. That's a lot of money, period. But So from January to April, the elders and I dealt with this situation. So the first four or five months of 2013 were very challenging because here was a beloved staff member, an elder, who had been embezzling. And we had to discipline it. He would not repent. And we ended up handing over to the legal system. And then I had a small break for a little bit. But then we found out one of our deacons wasn't doing right. We had to begin the process discipline with him. He repented and he came clean and he was in the process of restoration. We're thankful for that. And then in July, I find out that another elder at our church was having a series of multiple affairs. And his wife is the one that came to us. And it was, again, another challenging, challenging situation. Two days later, if that's not enough, my mom usually comes for my daughter's birthdays to celebrate. My daughter had a birthday in May. My mom said, hey, I'm not feeling well. I can't make it. So like July 4th or 5th, it's right around July 4th, my mom called me and said, I've been diagnosed with cancer. So I'm like, what? To make matters even worse and more challenging, that's what happened. And so 2013 was a very challenging year. But here's what happened. 
in that first week in January, as I sought the Lord, my wife and I sought the Lord as a church, we sought the Lord. God prepared me saying, it's going to be a challenging year. Brace yourself. Make sure you stay on your knees. Make sure you're prayed up because it's going to be a very challenging year. And that's my prayer for us as a church, that as we collectively this week go before the Lord and say, God, right now our intimacy with you is more important than our intake for food, that God will meet us, we'll be able to grab God's heart, and God will even speak to us, speak to us through his word, that the spirit of God will illumine and open our eyes to the word of God. That's my prayer, is that as we fast again, we say to God, intimacy with you, is more important. One day we'll be with you and we'll feast and feast and feast. But for now, as we long for you and we're brokenhearted, living in this world full of suffering, God, we're going to fast. We're going to abstain from food. We're going to cover our mouths, as the literal Hebrew says. We're going to cover our mouths so that we can have an intimate relationship with you, that we can grab your heart rather than twist your arm. God, I come before you now. We come before you now and pray and ask as we enter into 2021. God, you're a God who's outside of time and space. You already exist already in eternity, future. But here we are, God, your people trapped in time and bound in time and space. So God, we come before you now, between now and when we feast with you in that great wedding banquet. God, you came, us, you came to give us a brand new operating system the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the kingdom. And so we submit, Lord, to you and ask as we start this year off, fasting. Some of us from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., others the whole 24 hours. God, that we would uh, experience you in your presence in ways perhaps we've never experienced before. God, that our hearts would be knit to your heart. God, as we get into your word, that your word, this living word, this bread of life, the sword of the spirit, God would speak to us, reveal to us more of you, more of your character, and more of your will. God, we do pray for this church. God, we are a blessed church. We've got so many amazing, amazing, gifted people that you've sent to us, God. Everyone here, God, has been gifted by you. Everyone here desires and longs for you. God, I pray and repent of checklist Christianity where we just check the boxes. God, it, it can feel like often a stale marriage where we wake up and say, good morning, go through our day, how's your day, how's your day, eat dinner, go to bed, and check the box again. God, I pray for a freshness in 2021, a fresh walk with you. God, would your Holy Spirit fill us and control us Lead us, empower us. Not just a new ways of thinking to be transformed by the renewal of our minds, but God, that will lead to, trans, uh, to action, to obedience, God. That people would see Jesus Christ in us and through us, Lord. God, I do pray for anyone here today 
that has yet to put their faith in Christ. Perhaps they're very, very religious. They check all the right boxes, but have yet to put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. God, today, God, I pray that you would be in the ministry of saving people. Thank you, God, that you came to bring something new, a new operating system. And God, we do long for you and help us to demonstrate that this week and as we're prompted this year through fasting, from abstaining from food to grab your heart, God. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said.